Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. We are broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studio, supplying power to our tower downtown, to Murfreesboro City Schools, and to your home, MTE, serving to make life better. Since 1936, it is time to talk about Murfreesboro City Schools, and we have the honor of having Dr. Trey Duke, the uh, Murfreesboro City Schools Director, joining us this morning. And uh, I've told Lisa that it seems like this this show, this schedule, seems to hit every holiday, and today's one of those, so I appreciate you spending some time with us. Well, we're glad to be here. Yeah, like you said, it's a holiday, so our students are at home today. Uh, observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day, our faculty and staff is home, um, and so I'm glad to be on on with you today and be able to share a little bit about the great things going on in city schools. You know, I noticed. Um, you know, I've talked with a few educators, and um, you know, some of them work here at the radio station. I know you know John Dinkins very well, and you yeah. know, he was talking about in in the in the day. You know, back before we had maybe Martin Luther King Jr. Day and uh, a few other teacher work days that are now full days and things of that nature, that January to, to fall break seemed to be a long stretch. But you've got a few things to break that up a little bit for students and, and teachers now. Yeah, calendar. it is a little bit. We, of course, we're out today. We will be out again um, in February for President's Day, and that's really about it. So mm-hmm. those are the two one days we have off. So it is a long stretch between January and March, especially if we don't get any snow days. So, of course, you know, I know all of us still have our fingers crossed that maybe come early February, there still may be a chance for us to get some snow days in there. But if not, that's okay. We're going to make the most of it and make sure we have great days every day for our students in class. Are all educators fans of snow? I guess you are. Listen, who's not a fan of snow, right? I mean, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing better than a, than a day waking up and, and snow outside and having a few extra minutes to drink an extra cup of coffee and, and stay in your uh, sweatpants a little longer. So, yeah, all educators. I don't know if you'll have any educator who's not a fan of snow. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. So uh, how, do, how do snow days work? I mean, do you build those into the calendar? I know we say snow day and then, you know, you're out of school, but that's not a day you have to make up. So maybe some people don't understand how that works. Maybe you can help us understand that a bit. Absolutely. So the State Department allows us to do what they call a stockpile day, which is we actually go 30 minutes longer per day than state law requires. And so that generates an additional 13 days for us throughout the year of instructional time that we've built up. So we take those 13 days, and there's a couple things that the state of Tennessee allows us to do with those days. One is professional development for teachers. So when we have professional development days, a lot of times those are stockpile days. Uh, where we've actually, like I said, kind of banked that extra time because we go longer than required. But, of course, we always want to keep a good number of those for snow days. And so this year uh, we have eight snow days built into our calendar in case, of course, we need to have kind of an emergency closing. It allows us to not have to make those days up at the end of the year. We always talk about snow days, but, of course, it's not uncommon for us come late March, April, in that rainy season to We've had in the past days where we've had to cancel because of really a significant rain and maybe some flooding that's happened. So we call them snow days, but we can use them for snow. We can use them for flooding. If we have a extreme outbreak of illness, we can use it for those as well. And, you know, the 
in service days, I guess when when teachers report, but but kids are out of school, that you're using those are some of your stockpile days as well, correct? That is correct, and so that gives us our teachers a chance to learn, to grow, to continue to make sure that they have everything prepared for their students and build some time into that calendar. So teachers will report on those days, um, and our students stay home, but it does count as a stockpile day for us. Yes. Well, uh, we've got Dr. Trey Duke joining us, the uh, director of Murfreesboro City Schools. Uh, you know, we're we're I guess really early on in the second semester here of the uh, 2022-23 school year, but I would suspect that preparation is already underway for the 23-24 school year, huh? Yeah, it happens pretty fast for us, especially at the district office. Once we get back from Christmas, that really begins the time that we start looking forward to the next school year. We want to, of course, make sure our families have all the information they need early so they can plan and they can prepare. So last month, actually, our board approved our school calendar for next year. So our families can go online now and go ahead and see our school calendar for next year, which is already posted. So that's there. And then at our next board meeting in January, January 24th, our school board will be looking at school zones and specifically deciding which of our schools will be considered open zones for next year, which means that those schools have a little bit of space and so that we can actually accept some zone waivers if families would like to apply for zone waivers. Unfortunately, we can't do that at every school. We know that we're a growing city and so some of our schools are at capacity. But in those buildings where we do have a little bit of extra room, parents do have an option where they can apply for a zone waiver to attend those schools And again, our school board will be deciding what schools are open zoned at our January 24th school board meeting. Okay. So do do we have some that are open zoned currently? Yes, we do. So most of our, in fact, all of our schools on what we call the west side of town, which would be Overall Creek, Salem Elementary, Scales, Cason Lane, those are all closed zones because we know that's a a fast-growing area of our town. Um, Schools that we have open this year, and I don't have the list directly in front of me, but would be uh, Bradley Elementary, Irma Siegel Elementary has some open zones, John Pittard Elementary, Hobgood Elementary um, are a few that have those open zones for this year. And then again, next year we intend that we will have those and maybe even um, some extra spots of things we, we did not open last year. Okay. And so um, when, when you think of open zones, that means you can, you know, anybody can go anywhere. But th- is there some type of approval process in terms of, uh, of this open zoning or, or how, how does a parent go about that? Sure, absolutely. So there is an application process. And so once the board approves that which schools are open zone and which one are not open zone, we actually will begin a process, a timeline. So February 2nd is our kind of opening date, which we will officially advertise which schools are open zone schools, and we will keep that posted for two weeks. So from February 2nd to February 15th. The week of February 16th is when our open enrollment will actually begin. And they can pick up a zone waiver application at our central office or at our schools or download it from our website. And we accept those for 30 days. And that's actually state law. Um, Last year, a new state law went into effect that really dictated for all school districts their open zone process. And so there are requirements for how long we um, advertise and then how long we accept applications. And then in March, we will actually conduct a lottery if we have more applications than we have seats in the schools. 
so for instance, let's say if, if there's a school, like I said, we have pretty limited capacity, so maybe we can only accept 20 or 25 zone waivers. If we get 30, 35 zone waivers, we would actually do a lottery uh, before spring break is our goal to say here, so families know early if they have a spot in that school. Uh, so, the, I mean, it's just a random pick of, of those applications then, apparently. It is, as long if the number of applications go above the number of seats. And typically, we open between 25 and usually never more than 50 seats at a school, and that's spread across all the grade levels. Just because, again, we know the, the growth we have here in Murfreesboro and in the county as a whole and so we have to be real careful because we know there are new neighborhoods going up, new families moving in. And, of course, we want to make sure we have plenty of seats available for those families that are living actually in that school zone. And, and I know probably some folks who are, are listening in and are familiar with zone waiver, you know, it, it some of it depends altogether on uh, what the reasoning and why and that kind of thing. But in terms of these open zone schools, that's not part of that process necessarily, right? Not necessarily. We do always like to know what the reason is for um, that open zone request, and that is part of the application, but that doesn't necessarily play into the reason why it's chosen or not. Again, by state law, it's done by a lottery. We are required, per the law, to identify open seats at every school, to advertise, and then to hold that lottery so families have that choice ability to choose within our system. We know sometimes it's maybe a, a student spends the afternoon with a grandparent, or maybe the student needs to attend a school that's closer to the family's work environment. And so this takes all that into consideration and really just kind of gives that family some options to say, if for some reason our zone school is not the best location for us, where can we attend where there are some seats available? And so, uh, Dr. Duke, let, let's just take, you mentioned Irma Siegel uh, just a moment ago, so let's take that as an example. Last year, open zone, and, and if they're, you know, little Joey Smith is going to that school, and next year there are no open zone seats available, does Joey Smith then have to go back to their zoned school? Uh, I, I guess we haven't run across that yet, though, have we? Well, um, actually, it's a great point to bring up. The state law actually dictates that as well and says once we allow a student to be wavered into a school, they can remain at the school. So we allow that student to stay at the school and have priority to submit a zone waiver again for the next year so that they can remain at that school as long as there's a couple things that are guaranteed or are taking place. One, of course, is if you're on a zone waiver, you don't take advantage of our transportation system. So we want to make sure that the child's attendance stays positive, that there's not issues with excessive tardiness um, or other issues that are outlined on the zone waiver that may allow us as a school system to say, you know what, a zone waiver isn't in the best option for this child um, because maybe they're struggling getting to school every day. And so if they go to their zone school, then, of course, they have bus transportation and so on. So we do have some guidelines as far as making sure that zone waiver process stays in good standing and as long as that is stays in good standing then once a family is on his own waiver they can continue to stay on that waiver without the risk of being necessarily removed from that school very good the information thing, there mm -hmm. yeah the only thing that may cause that to happen is if we have to go through every zoning so again and that's something unfortunately we deal with from time to time we did that last year so i know our school board is hoping and our parents are hoping we don't have to rezone 
um, again for another few years since we just did it last year. But if we ever have to rezone an entire school's boundaries, then we take another look at those zone waivers. And and that rezoning was primarily because of that uh, boom in population in those uh, western city schools. Yeah, absolutely. So last year the zone waiver specifically affected, or I'm sorry, the rezoning specifically affected families at overall. We rezoned some families there to Northfield, and then we rezoned some families of and some addresses that were zoned to Salem, to Cason Lane, and to Black Fox last year. But this year, there's no change to our school zone, so that's great. Um, it allows us to get this uh, zone waiver requirement from the state up earlier, allow families to know faster, and hopefully uh, allow them to make good decisions so they can be well prepared before the school year ends. Dr. Trey Duke joining us this morning, Murfreesboro City Schools Director. Uh, before our time runs out uh you know it's it's amazing the attention that the uh third grade retention law has gotten and you know now that the state lawmakers are back in session there there seems to be a scramble of you know what what did we really do here and are there ways to fix that but uh, i'm sure that those are questions that you're answering a lot of these days they are questions it's something i think that's on everyone's mind as we begin to look at next school year and the impact this will have on third grade. So I want to remind parents right now that, you know, we are well aware and we are paying attention and our goal continues to be to keep our families informed. So actually when our students came back in January, one of the first things we do is our annual winter benchmarking, which is where we kind of take the temperature of how our students are performing halfway through the year. And in third grade this year, of course, that's specifically important because it's a good indicator for how their student may perform on that end-of-the-year assessment, which could then determine whether or not they're a candidate for retention. So I want all of our third-grade parents to know that next week you'll receive a letter, every third-grade family, that has the results from their winter benchmark and kind of flags where their child is and whether or not their child's current performance may have them on track if something doesn't change as a possible candidate for retention. So that's going to go home next week to all families. Also, on February 2nd, we will be doing two parent Zoom meetings, one during the day around lunchtime and one that evening for any third grade parent in the district to be able to log on and hear directly from me about how to interpret those scores that went home and answer questions parents may have. Um, Again, we know that One of the ways, if a child isn't proficient on the third grade assessment at the end of the year, one of the avenues to promotion is to attend summer school. So we're in those planning stages now. We've set the dates for summer school. And so we want parents to kind of know if there's a possibility my child may need to attend summer school to be promoted to the fourth grade, that they have that information, that they can register early, and that we can make sure that we get their child enrolled so they have a great end of third grade and great fourth grade as well well uh, when you were just talking about having those zoom meetings what a, what a great tool that i think we were forced into with the pandemic but now we've we figured out all kinds of ways to use that as a as a communication tool and and that's going to allow you to connect with those parents and and answer questions directly that's that's wonderful that you're uh, that you're able to do that um with this and what date was that again february 2nd and the the information regarding how to access that Zoom link will actually be on the letters that go home next week to all third graders with their scores. 
So parents can re- uh, look at that letter. We'll, of course, send out some communication as well to make sure no one misses it. But you're exactly right. Zoom has opened up a lot of doors for families, whether they're at lunch break at work can jump on and hear information, or I know we're all busy and we're running our children to basketball practice and soccer practice and gymnastics, so sometimes it may be great just to log in from our phone and be able to hear this really important information without having to totally rearrange our entire schedule. Well, uh, wonderful information uh, here today, Dr. Duke. I, I appreciate you spending some time with us, and uh, we, we always enjoy uh, having you on. And uh, just, I know you know this, but uh, Lisa and Tori, they do a tremendous job of yes, uh, promoting Murfreesboro City Schools as well and, and keeping us all informed. So uh, we, we really appreciate them as well. Yeah, we're very lucky to have Lisa and Tori in our communications office. They do so much more than just help us communicate with families. Uh, they really help lead so many things at the district to help make sure everyone knows the great things going on in Murfreesboro City Schools. So I appreciate you having me on. I hope you have a great day yourself, and I look forward to being back with you next time. Sounds good. That is uh, Dr. Trey Duke joining us. Murfreesboro City Schools today here on Rutherford Issues.